Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast brought to you by BetMGM, where you can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 when you use the promo code BETTINGPROS with your first deposit. Here with me to talk NFL Week 9 Best Bets is Andy Molitor on Twitter at AndyMSFW. Andy, uh, Andrew, if you're nasty. Uh, he's the director of content for BetSperts, and he's the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast, which is one of my favorite sports betting listens. Uh, Andy, uh, your wife and kids recently went out of town. Uh, the red meat and whiskey that you consumed, all of it that you consumed while they were gone, that didn't kill you. So somehow you must be invincible. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. A little bit of a late summer fall. I don't know how the weather is where you're at, but man, it's it's feeling like august september right now so i'm i've been in a great mood like i had yeah, you're in I minnesota had, yeah i'm right I'm, yeah i'm uh I, I mean i'm just i'm i'm your neighbor to the south here in iowa uh just down the road in dubuque really nice weather this week yeah i'm just uh that's kind of been keeping me going before we eventually hit this like uh this nasty patch of winter my wife's never seen game of thrones so okay. rewatching that right now. And then there, there was a scene, you know, on the other side of the wall and it's just nasty, the nastiest looking winter. And I just had a, had a shudder the other day. I'm like, God, that's like a week away. So that's coming. Uh, yeah. Cherishing it while I can. And yeah, I love uh, this time of year as we have all four sports going, but football's in full blast right now. Yeah. I, I saw on Twitter that uh, your wife recently sold an appliance. Uh, tell me, tell me that story because that is a great degenerate story. Yeah, and I mean somebody somebody in the comments too mentioned, well, don't they have Venmo? Because it was a it was a guy who came to look at some some old appliances. We're cleaning out a garage. There was a broken range oven, whatever you want to call it. And he's like, you know, it's 50 bucks. I'm like, sure. And he opens his wallet and it's just a stack of 20s. And he he flips and flips and he has no tens. I had a little, I didn't have a cash for change. So he just, I mean, no hesitation. It's it's wild to you can't even imagine how quick he reached for a quarter. Like he just looked at me, just he's like, "Well, flip it, forty or 60. And I didn't even have time to. I just call heads, heads. I don't know what to do. And he flipped it. It was tails. He gave me the forty bucks. Yeah, like I mentioned it in the thread too. He's like, he might have just been trying to make me feel better. But he's like, yeah, I was zero and two on the day. That was my first win. So I, I imagine this junker guy has been doing this all day. Which I, God, I just, yeah, I, I gotta I kinda, say, I kind of want to party with this guy now. I got to say, I imagine that's not his first rodeo with how quickly he pulls for the coin. He's yeah. got it right there. That's his flipping coin. He knows exactly what to do in this situation. Yeah, it was it was a unique situation. The wife wasn't wife wasn't as happy as of the story as uh, I was. I'm like, shit, that, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. I don't even care about the dead bucks. Like I'm buying yeah. Powerball tickets with this anyway. This is like this is this money is faded for bigger things. <laughs> exactly exactly just start spending that billion dollars now uh all right week nine uh i mean six teams on by multiple games with the double digit spread this week nine feels like the most week nine of any week nine ever uh but there are still some bets that we've identified that we like uh this morning i published on betting pros my projected spreads for every game with a few best bets uh one of them Bengals uh minus seven and a half versus the Panthers. Uh, and this is seven and a half at Bet MGM again, where you can get a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars with the promo code betting pros with their first deposit. I mean, this is a a really interesting game to me. And right now I'm just uh you know pausing for time as I'm trying to get back to my article, remembering what I wrote about this game. But I, I you know, I saw this on Monday night. We had the Bengals. 
just absolutely get shellacked by the Browns. And I think that is impacting the line here. But Joe Burrow, 11 and four against the spread off of a loss. And I mean, with the the kind of loss that it was, I think that has impacted the line here. And of course, no Jamar Chase. That is something that we should take into account. But this game, to me, still comes down to the Bengals' pass offense against the Panthers' pass defense. Now, they've rebuilt their offensive line. But even with that, the Bengals, they're not good running the ball this year. And the Panthers have a top 10 run defense, so it would be unwise for the Bengals to lean heavily into the ground game, even though I think they might want to do that because they don't have Jamar Chase. But even without Chase, I still think they need to attack the the Panthers via the air. So for the season, the Bengals solidly above average in the passing game, you know, uh, number five in dropback EPA, number eight in success rate, 14 in DVOA. And the Panthers defense has been subpar uh, against the pass. Uh, number 20 in EPA, 15 in success rate, 27 in pass DVOA. Uh, of course, they won't be as explosive without Chase, but they still got strong pass catchers. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst at tight end. Joe Mixon is a good pass catching back. Uh, and then the Panthers are dealing with a number of injuries in their secondary. Cornerback Dante Jackson, he missed practice on Wednesday with an ankle injury. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin Boris, concussion. They both exited week eight early. You have J.C. Horn at cornerback who's playing through multiple injuries. And then you have safety Jeremy Chin who's on IR and is out. This line was nine and a half last week in the look ahead market. Uh, Early Sunday night before the Bengals played on Monday night, it was eight and a half. Now it's seven and a half. That just feels too low. It feels like we've seen too much market movement based on, I would say, not enough information. Uh, Andy, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I actually took the other side of this one, and I, I feel free. Feel I, free I, to I, disagree I, with me. By no, the way, no, and I, yeah. I feel like as I've kind of ruminated on through the week, I'm like, man, should I have just taken an over in this one? Should I have just looked at this over? Because part of it is the the injuries to the other side. The the Bengals have you know multiple cornerbacks not practicing again. Hilton yeah. Hilton and Flowers not practicing. They had a couple. Uh, they had a defensive lineman miss breakfast. You had a couple of the offensive linemen who are still a a group that's still getting to know each other and trying to figure it out. Apparently at this midpoint of the season, missing some practice. But yeah, both sides have injuries in the secondary. And it's been almost a, a really simple formula for the uh, for the Bengals this year. It's like if Joe Burrow is unbothered by a pass rush, this offense moves and it moves nicely through the air. If they go against a pass rush that's getting after it, they're just comat. It's dead. Like a, yeah. every every drive is going to have at least one negative play. Whether it's uh, you know one of the I can't imagine how many sacks he took in the first two weeks it was like sixteen, um, you know whether it's a, a sack or some tackles for losses just because Mixon is you know an absolute dead horse and like they when they run him those are just wasted plays a lot of the time so I ended up on a little plus seven and a half I hated that I got you know the, like you mentioned that part was bugging me I'm like God I looked at this last week I should have just taken this earlier but I think uh, honestly if I were betting it right now. 42 and a half might be a little low just because we we have seen a little life out of pj tucker and that's not something i want to ever get excited about but if if burns doesn't get home if they're able to neutralize him a little and keep things moving on the offense like this this might get into the 50s man there's so many secondary injuries chin chin trending maybe in but again we're still sitting here on thursday we got the afternoon practice reports yet and friday injury reports to get through 
Yeah, I think Wilk said that Chin won't play yeah. this week, which, you know, so that that helps my side a little bit. But I will say to, to your point, uh, you know, like PJ Walker, four and one against the spread in his, his five career starts. So that doesn't that doesn't make me happy on my side. Uh, so you you do like Carolina in the spot. So maybe, maybe a game for people just to stay away from if they're listening to me. Maybe the over. I have a soft spot for PJ from his uh, XFL days. He was my guy oh. back then. Oh man. I love, I love the XFL PJ Walker. Uh, okay. One game that you are on bears dolphins over. Uh, talk to me about what it is that you are seeing. Cause this game also is catching my eye here. Yeah, the the Dolphins, I don't know, everybody has takes and it's been a hot topic all year. It's just uh, the whole offseason was about Tua and I know they brought in a lot of free agents to kind of, I don't know, push their chips in uh, outside of the, you know, outside of the season there where they went and got some pieces. They had this war chest they built over the last few years of some some draft capital. They moved some of that around and then they kind of went in again last week with a couple of trades right at the deadline here. But I the thing that sticks out to this for this team to me is just like how bad some of these uh you know some of these defensive metrics are for Miami right now and yeah. like that's not what you want to have happen when you have a team that's kind of trending the other way on offense like I really I I guess one of my biggest surprises that isn't Seattle related is how much the Bears offense looks different compared to how it looked at the beginning of the season. You know, they did, it was a complete rollover from coaching staff. We had Getsy coming down. You have Aberflus coming in from, it wasn't like two guys that came in from the same system. So you have a head coach and offensive coordinator. You have no investment into the offensive line or the receiving cores and a super young quarterback coming off a, a pretty bad year. So it was really hard to get excited about anything offensively, but they've, they've found something. They've found uh, ways to make it work, even through the air with this very limited receiving core. Uh, we've heard that Claypool will be used in some packages. I'm not sure what that means or how much they'll be using him. I doubt it's a ton. I'm not really letting that sway this, but the bears can absolutely take advantage of this matchup against a, a pretty bad pass defense and honestly on the other side i've really really liked Tua and these two receivers and it's not even a you know let's beat them over the top and go deep with the speed tyreek with the ball in his hands anywhere on the field makes me happy if i'm betting on the dolphins if i'm betting on the dolphins to score points like he's a playmaker just get him the ball as fast as you can if you're worried about a pass rush which you shouldn't be this week i mean they've traded their defensive players away that's a you know another part of this bears defense it should start to regress we saw pretty lackluster performance by the bears defense even against you know a team they were supposed to lose to just like once you start trading away players locker room guys like that sometimes you see some bad performances and not only that you, you're missing some of your best players so bears defense for sure is a downgrade obviously and yeah this this total is quite a bit too low for me this is one of the totals i've had off the most and usually i'm not off by this much at this point in the season so i like this over a lot yeah, I, I hear you. I did bet this on Sunday night, uh, you know, when it was uh, early. I bet it at 45, 45 and a half now across the market. Um, I make it at 46. So I'm not massively off from the market. But, you know, I just for some of like the the matchup related reasons that you mentioned, you know, uh, Tyreek and Waddle going against uh, a defense that is missing, you know, its best players 
having been traded. And I am impressed more and more by what we are seeing out of Justin Fields. And to your point, what we saw out of this offense in weeks one through three is not what we've seen in weeks four through eight. Through eight. They're you know more doing more design runs for Justin Fields. He's dropping back to pass a little bit more. Uh, so that offense, I mean, it's not great, but it's it's not horrible which uh, is certainly a step in the right direction. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm also intrigued by Chicago plus five, but I will say I, you know, sometimes I get in good other times I get in bad. And uh, I mean, I, I bet this on the look ahead of plus three and a half and I'm not feeling great about it now that it's, it's gone to five, not as if there's a massive difference between three and a half and five, but you know, when you do have a defense that's trading away its best pieces at that point, I, you know, if I could if I could do it over again, not sure that I would be betting on Chicago in that spot. But I can certainly see the case for uh, for the over there. Um, a game that uh, that has caught my attention. This is probably one of my favorite bets of the week. Uh, Seahawks plus two at Cardinals. I grabbed this on the look ahead at plus three and a half. And, and by the way, I, I tracked it in the betting pros app. You can sync up with sports books. You can see what bets other people are making in the app. So check out the betting pros pick tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. Uh, Seahawks. I mean, Geno Smith, he's not maybe the story of the season, but he's one of the top stories of the season. Like what we've seen out of him has been a full-blown career genocence, right? And I love I love taking him in this spot. Uh for his career, actually, he's been pretty good against the threat. 24-16 and 2, uh 8 and 3 specifically with the Seahawks, 17-10 and 2 against the spread as an underdog, 6 and 2 as an underdog with the Seahawks. And then going against Cliff Kingsbury, this is the classic spot in which I will always be willing to lose money betting against Cliff Kingsbury as a home favorite. If I lose this bet, I don't even care. I'm just almost always going to be fine blindly taking this position. At home, Kingsbury, 11-17 and 17 against the spread. As a favorite, 9-15 and 15 against the spread. As a home favorite, 5-11 and 11 against the spread. He And I feel like there, there is something on the field actually to back up what it is that we see. Uh, when Kingsbury is favored, uh, he plays a different style of game. He calls games differently when they're underdogs and they're trailing it's Kyler Murray, go save me. And that is often enough to, to make up for the difference. But when they are uh, in a more favorable situation, they don't pivot to, I think a, a looser, more aggressive uh, and more advantageous style of play as quickly as they should. So uh, I do like this spot for the Seahawks. And for me, it comes down to the Seahawks pass offense against the Cardinals pass defense. Going back to last season when he made three spot starts for Russell Wilson, Geno's been top four in adjusted yards per attempt in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation. You know, I mean, he is, he's cooking. He's doing what people wanted Russ Wilson to do all those years in Seattle. The Seahawks top eight in most pass efficiency metrics. The Cardinals defense is bottom 10 in those pass efficiency metrics. Uh, And obviously it helps that he has, you know, those wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, The DK Metcalf, uh, you know, miracle of recovering from the knee injury. Yeah. uh, I mean, that that was that was highly unexpected. It makes you question really how uh, serious that injury was in the first place. But, you know, I think with those wide receivers, 
there's a massive unit versus unit edge of the wide receivers, the pass catchers for Seattle against the secondary for uh, for Arizona. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking about like week one where I would have had uh, Smith power ranked among all the starting quarterbacks. It was 32. I had him as the worst starting quarterback in the league in week one. And now in the, the fantasy pros unit power rankings, he's number 12. Right. He's not all that far behind Kyler Murray. And given how well he's played this year and how bad that Cardinal secondary is, I think it's hard to see why the Seahawks are underdogs, especially against a divisional opponent that they beat by 10 points just a few weeks ago. So this number was three and a half in the look ahead market. I still like it at plus two. I have it projected as Seahawks, you know, near a pick them, near a pick them. So I'm very comfortable taking it at plus two. Andy, uh, I mean, God forbid you love the Cardinals in this spot because I'm just going to have to cancel the show. But what are your thoughts here? No, it's funny. I did. I did bet Seattle and I just took him. I just took him straight up. Plus 115. I found. Yeah, I'm pretty. I don't know. Once you get into a a certain way of betting, it's it's I have a bit of stubbornness to me about this. And maybe it's worth revisiting. But a few years back, I mean, somebody put out a paper. Uh, It's not like a white paper. You know, it's just a gambling article or something. But he kind of examined spreads. Once you get under three. So he said he said basically just take the money line. Like getting the plus two isn't isn't going to help you out. And to be fair, he had a big sample size. And I mean, what are we doing? Maybe two or three times all year, you're going to bet a game like this where it's a plus two. So take a long time for it to work out for you. But I've been stubborn enough where I'm always just betting it straight up. We'll see if it bites me here. It has in the past. But yeah, plus 115, like you just said, it's pretty simple handicap, I guess. The Arizona pass um, pass defense, DVOA's bottom 10, a couple other metrics I've looked at. They're bottom 10 or worse. I mean, bottom five even we're starting to dwell into. And yeah, I, I had Gino as well. It's uh, maybe one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league. I didn't really know how we'd feel about the situation in Atlanta or honestly the situation in Carolina, but I was forced to have Gino as probably, I'd have to go look. I'm sure I had him 32nd. I made fun of that quarterback competition all preseason. Like the fact that we have Drew Locke in a competition with you isn't good. That speaks poorly on how, how you've been playing. And I never want to compare anyone to Josh Allen, but I mean, you, you're forced to reckon with sometimes a guy is going to take a huge step forward and you can't be so stubborn to just fight it. Like I was very anti Josh Allen. Like, yes, he's athletic. He was fun. He was so inaccurate, especially on intermediate to deep throws when he was young. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You hadn't seen guys fix that. And then I don't know, some combination of coaching and his will to work through that. He's become, he's your favorite to, M- for, to win the MVP right now. So guys are able to work through these things. I don't know if coaching has just come that far um, over the years. So Geno Smith is right now a top 10 quarterback in the league. And that is wild for us to say. So yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board backing this offense to, to take down a team they've already beaten against and I'm not a big Pete Carroll guy, but he's the better coach in this matchup too right now. Yeah. And Andy, to your point, uh, like I have a, a piece on betting pros that does the same thing, looking at money line versus uh, mm-hmm. against the spread record. And uh, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, you know, it's best to take it on the money or it has historically been more profitable to take it on the money line versus the spread. And that actually has gone up over the past 20 years, all the way to six and a half points 
right? When you get to seven, that's the big dividing line where there's just a a drop off where it's better to take the spread versus the money line. But all the way up to six and a half, historically, it has been more profitable to take the money line versus the spread. So always something to keep in mind there. Um, Andy, next game here that I'm looking at, and I'm glad that you put this in the outline is one you wanted to talk about because uh, I've been conflicted on this one. You like Titans plus 12 and a half on the road in Kansas city against the chiefs. Talk to me about what you are seeing with this game. Probably just a little bit of inflation based off one team's off a buy and people have heard about that. Like I just, I couldn't get this. I, I couldn't, the Andy, the Andy yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. get this number to be this big. And yes, the Titans are very much overrated compared to if you just look at their record, they're not one of the best teams in the league. They've, they've won some close games. Like the, the game they played last week wasn't against an NFL team guys. That was, that was sad. They barely, they had a quarterback start and throw for what 50 yards. And they, they won a game by double digits it's essentially let a, a backdoor garbage touchdown through at the end. Like they're not a great team, but they're not a horrible team. And right now, and I've talked about this a little with Drew on the deep dive. I was glad to hear he agreed when I asked him about his power rankings. I said the difference between, you know, the range, the difference between the best team and the worst team in, in the league and your power rankings. I said, is that a little compressed this season? And he said, yeah, like it's, yeah. you know, the, the bills are great but they're not the chiefs of two years ago. They're not Tam- or three years ago. They're not Tampa from two years ago. It's like, it just, there isn't this huge difference. It's a really, really, really um, like if the, the distribution of teams is so heavy from like four through 16, those teams are all the same. Like there's just yeah. no differentiating factor. And unless you're looking at a game like tonight on Thursday night, where we have uh, probably e- easily the best team in the NFC, versus yeah. the 32nd best team like these double digit spreads <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be happening this often it's wild how often we've had them so i'm yeah i'm basically i have this at like 10 you know it this shouldn't mm-hmm. be i shouldn't be getting more than 10 points here and i'm i'm fine taking a 12 and a half 13 and looking at a a, a team to you know, stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen the Chiefs play some really nice games against some competition where they just ratcheted it up, like the Cardinals, like the the Niners. And it just doesn't seem like one of those games where they're going to need to do that. This is a this is a spot where you're gonna see a really heavy reliance on Derrick Henry. And I know he's on the injury report, but that guy's playing. Yeah. Like the injury report for Tennessee hasn't been hasn't been great all week. And that's made me super nervous about holding this bet. But Derrick Henry's gonna play. They're gonna they're gonna lean on him. They're gonna play some ball control and they're gonna try to keep this respectable. I don't think I don't think uh anybody should be going on a limb and like, you know, betting uh what is the money line? Almost five to one here. That's not a bet. That's not it's not upset alert. It's just, hey, this team probably loses like the Packers did to the Bills, where the, right. you know uh I described it one way. I never said this before and it was perfect and I can't remember how it was, but it was like a game where it's never it's never close, but it's never outside the spread kind of thing where it's just yeah you know, it's just a, a 10 point lead for the entire game that feels insurmountable. One of those where it's like the chiefs clearly kicked their ass and they were, you know, but they never covered the game. You know, it might bounce around 14 point leads, but I think, uh, I think 10 is where this should be. 
Yeah, and to your point about you know this being a a ball control game for the Titans, absolutely agree with you. You know, just think about how much they've relied on Derrick Henry in their previous three matchups against the Chiefs, going you know all the way back to 2019. I mean, they uh, they have a negative 32 point differential in those games, yeah. right? Like they they've gotten soundly beat across the board in those games they they did win one of them but you know one by a field goal but on in the aggregate they they got beat in those games pretty soundly and derrick henry still had you know 354 yards and three touchdowns in those games put together so i think it is a, a derrick henry game for them and i think that does help them keep it close you know bigger picture question here Tannehill. Uh, I, you know, I think he does make a pretty significant difference. Do you think that, how do you think that his, his presence or absence is being accounted for within the line that we are seeing of 12 and a half right now? It does feel 50, 50 ish. And I think they picked a midpoint. Like if he's announced out, I got a bad number. Probably gets up closer to 14. If, if he's announced in, I don't see it moving. uh, People aren't going to clamor, but it could move down to 11 and a half and moving between like 10 and a half and 13. There's, you know, it's not a, those aren't super key numbers. It's going to take a lot of money to move around. So you you might see this line bounce around a little with some injury reports over the next couple of days. Tannehill would help an awful lot. That would be great. I'm not sure if the game plan changes a lot with just, what we've seen from Kansas City, their middle of the pack defense, the rush defense isn't that good. You saw the, in the Raiders game what they were able to do against this rush defense. Like you can run on this team, especially if you're really committed to the run. And um, the, you know the Frank Clark suspension, I think that makes a difference here. They play mm-hmm. it's, that's it's a different defense when he's not on the field. I don't. Uh, this is a, a lot of this handicap. Is just I don't think Kansas City has a very good defense. Like it's, it's, it's fine. And that's, that's what you have when you have to pay all these offensive players. Yeah. I mean, Mike Vrabel is like the kind of coach that as an underdog, I never really feel comfortable betting against. He's 20 and 12 against the spread as an underdog, seven and two in that situation as an underdog of six points or more. And, uh, you know, 12 and a half, I'm trying to think about, I haven't bet this yet, but I'm tempted. Like if I, I'm leaning in a direction, I'm definitely leaning towards your side on this. And I had to stretch to get my projections close to 12 and a half. And I'm still not all that close. And like, that was me really pulling it as far as I could. And so I, I do think that there's some inflation here, you know, thinking about how to play this with the Ryan Tannehill situation. I'm imagining that if he plays this, I mean, there's no way this line gets back down to 10 and a half, which is where it was in the look ahead market. I I don't see that happening. So even if Tannehill is in, I think the most it moves down to is 11. If he's out, I would actually be surprised if this doesn't move past 14, because based on what we saw uh, last week, I do think there's a significant difference between Tannehill as a, you know, a fully established veteran quarterback who knows the offense. They can actually, I mean, they don't have much of a passing game, but whatever passing game they have, they can do it with Tannehill. They can't do that with Malik Willis. It's a, it's a very limited system if they have Willis. So if he's in knowing that, uh, you know, the, the chiefs, if they don't have the best offense in the league, it's certainly top three, knowing that they can put up 30 points, 
I think this spread would go past 14 and a half, but do you have more thoughts on that? Yeah, it could move. It could move as far as that, I believe. And truthfully, I don't know what we have in Malik Willis. I, you know, they didn't have a, it wasn't like they've had a ton of time to prep him. He didn't get, you know, a lot of practice time early in the season. He might, that might be the best we saw of him. Who knows? That could be, that could be the ceiling. I doubt it. I, I think maybe they'll be able to get a little more out of him if they did have to start him. And again, it was another game too, where eventually it was kind of apparent. Well, Houston might not score. So like, do, do we need to air it out here? They didn't yeah. ask a lot out of him. They might have to ask a little more out of him this week. We might get a little more. He, he might stink out loud. I'd love, I'm, I'm with you there. I'd love to see Tanny. I think, yeah, 14 is a definite possibility. If it's just announced Tanny's dead, we got to go with, uh, we got to go with Malik again. So be interesting, be interesting, but yeah, it's uh it's more of a, hopefully just a fade on Kansas city, bringing the good place to a game like this. Yeah. So one game we're not talking about is Raiders at Jaguars. And so the question is, why am I mentioning it? I am mentioning it because we are giving away a free signed Josh Jacobs Raiders jersey from pristine auction. If you want a chance to win it, subscribe to the betting pros YouTube channel right now and comment below on the video. We will announce a winner on the channel in a future episode. So turn on those notifications. All right. One game that really stands out to me. Uh, Saints plus two and a half going against the Ravens. This, I believe, is Monday Night Football. Um, Andy, I will be interested on your thoughts on this, but I I do not have this particularly close to the the spread that we have here of, of two and a half in the market. Uh, I have this projected very close to a pick'em. Uh, so I, I very much am on uh, the Saints in this spot. I've been on the Saints uh, for a while. I think just in general, I am higher on them than the market is. Um, and, you know, it hasn't worked out horribly for me, especially last week going against yeah. the Raiders. Um, but, you know, Andy Dalton, 42-31-2 and two against the spread for his career as an underdog. Uh, the Saints haven't been good this year against the spread. They've been livable against the spread with Dalton, 3-2 and two against the spread with him as their starter. And, you know, it's not like Andy Dalton is doing a whole lot of great things. He's just not doing Jameis Winston type of things, which seems like it's it's been the difference. But, like, he's been, uh, you know, I don't know, decidedly mediocre like he's been he's been serviceable but he you know he's number eight in composite epa and completion percentage over expectation number 11 in adjusted yards per attempt number 13 in uh, espn's qbr so it's not as if he's you know been elite but he has been solidly average to above average and that is enough i think when combined with the saints running offense uh, to me, this comes down to their running offense against the Ravens' run defense. Obviously, Michael Thomas, he's been out since week four. Jarvis Landry has been out since week five. Uh, Adam Troutman, for whatever he's worth, he's been out since the, the early stages of week six. Even with all of that, the Saints have managed 29.6 points per game in Dalton's five starts. And you know the answer as to how they've done that is the running game. Right. They have one of the best running attacks in the league, number eight in rush EPA, number three in rush success rate, six in rush DVOA, number four in adjusted line yards. And the Ravens are outside defensively of the top 20 in all of those metrics. And they have especially struggled since they lost nose tackle Michael Pierce out for the year in week three uh, with a biceps injury. In weeks one and two, 
they were number 10 in rush success rate. Since then, number 28 in rush success rate. So, you know, missing their big guy in the middle, in the interior of that defensive line, that has certainly impacted them. And getting Roquan Smith, you know, getting him on Monday at linebacker, that should help some. But even with him, I still think they are likely to struggle against the run. And in the offseason, this number was Saints, uh, Saints plus uh, half a point. I think that's close to where this line should be now. And so being able to get it at plus two and a half across the market, I think that presents some value. Of course, there are larger injury questions. Mark Andrews, uh, you know, some offensive linemen for the Ravens. And then obviously for the Falcons, you have Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, uh, cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. So big injury questions for this game. But even with all that taken into account, I still think there's value here on the Saints. Andy, for the love of God, do not say that you like the Ravens at this number. I I had a really hard time reckoning with this game, and I really doubt I'll bet this because, like you said, it's been such a unique uh, I don't like journey to this offense working with a, a rookie head coach who's not really an offensive head coach, uh, a yeah. backup quarterback. Every single wide receiver that's been on this team has missed time and they have a bunch of good names and still they've just taken a, a running back who everyone knows is going to get the ball a quarterback turned tight end and whatever's left on the roster and put up like 25 points a game. It's, it's maddening to try to figure out how this offense is still just chugging along despite the injuries. And I mean, you, you spoke a little to it like Andy Dalton, outside of two really ill-fated passes in one game. has <laughs> right. like I mean, the people focused in on that, but he hasn't done a lot of that outside of that. Like he yeah. has been a mediocre plus, like he's been a l- little above average uh, as far as mediocre quarterbacks. And they've, they've stayed in games. They, they played tight against a Vikings team in London. They've, they've stayed in games. They beat the tar out of, uh, I almost called them Oakland, Las Vegas there. It's, it's odd to figure out because I have the Ravens, as like, I'm, I'm starting to develop a second tier. Like I said, I have this first tier. It is the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles. And then, like I said, from like four to 16, it is awful full. But there's starting to be this second tier that's developing. And it's basically San Francisco and Baltimore. And I don't think they're going to be there yet. But when Baltimore gets healthy, they're probably the fourth best team. It's just they're not healthy yet. And like you've said, yeah, this defense has really struggled. It's a bad matchup if if New Orleans decides they want to run it, run it off, and they can stay with them. And I mean, you're probably right. The this this being closer to a pick'em is a is an adjustment I can I can get behind. I won't be betting it because I my numbers love Baltimore, but I've you know, just my eyeballs have seen New Orleans continually be able to do things. Uh, also, in a standalone spot, I usually defer to a better coaching staff, but I don't know if I can dog on this coaching staff right now just for being young. And it's not like he wasn't a head coach at one point before, it was a really, really horrible situation that made him look really bad. But I mean, it's not like Dennis Allen hasn't been around the block a couple times. So I'm uh, abstaining on Monday night. I bet first touchdown scores, but yeah. I'm not going to abstain and, completely. 
I mean, it's not as if Dennis Allen is uh, is the first coach to uh, look bad with the the Raiders. Yeah. Other other coaches have done it before, and other coaches are doing it right now. So, uh, one game I know we're going to be on the the same side of. Uh, you are looking over uh, on the Falcons Chargers game. I believe the number is forty nine and a half right now. Uh, I have this projected for. Let me see where I have it projected for fifty one point nine. So I'm I'm very much with you there on the over. Uh, I bet this in the look ahead market at forty seven and a half. Uh, I still like it at forty nine and a half. Uh, Andy, what are you seeing in this game? Yeah, I got some forty nine earlier in the week, and it is just a, another matchups thing where I if if Patterson plays for the Falcons, good. If not. Apparently everyone else they've ever put on the roster is just fine. Give, give everybody 15 totes. And this, this running offense is going to work. This is a terrible rush defense. Another one we're mentioning. There's starting to be a lot of really bad rush defenses. And I wonder, I wonder if just this emphasis on, you know, the new rules and some of these young passers and this, these passing offenses, if just over the course of the last few years, too many teams have had too much time spent on, defending dynamic passing games and some of these run defenses have really fallen behind like Cleveland and like you mentioned Baltimore some of it's injury related but uh, this is another team too that's that's going to get gashed a little on the ground sometimes and um, I, I guess if if you want to say the Falcons are good at anything they're they are good at that not only good at it but really really determined to uh to, yeah. to run the ball constantly it's another you know it's a bottom 10 run defense i think the falcons whether they do it in a competitive game or they put themselves behind because they're clearly you know a, a field goal or worse I, I think there's definite case to be made for betting on the the chargers off the bye here too as just against the spread with the way this offense might work out it, you know it doesn't matter the game state uh, atlanta's offense is kind of the same which is nice you know what you're getting and i think they're going to have some level of efficiency on the ground and be able to get in the end zone a couple times game may not be competitive doesn't seem to matter they're fine scoring in competitive games or fine scoring in non-competitive environments when it's you know garbage time touchdowns either way i think we'll get some uh We'll get some help from the Falcons to get towards this total. And then just, I mean, AJ Terrell is the best player on that side of the ball. And uh, this is our safety. I can't think of the safety's name right now. He practiced Fred. No name's not coming to me. I don't, uh, I don't know everybody on this Atlanta defense. And there's a reason for that. It's not a good defense, but AJ <laughs> Terrell is the best player yeah. on that side of the ball. He is going to miss the game. It's, it's really not looking good for this, uh, this defensive matchup either against Justin Herbert off a of bye. Uh, it's not a coach. I don't like either coach, honestly, in this one. And I was an Arthur Smith guy when he first went down there, but I don't know if there's a coaching mismatch here at all, but I do like the uh, the offensive versus defensive mismatches on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I have this total up up around fifty one. Yeah, so uh, AJ Terrell, as you mentioned, uh, missed practice on Wednesday. Uh, free safety Jalen Hawkins uh, coming back from the concussion. He did practice fully on Wednesday, so I would expect him to play. But you know, he's a safety. Uh, yeah. Terrell is the guy who who matters the most, and they're, they're also missing. Uh, you know, opposite him, number two cornerback Casey Hayward, who's on IR. So you know, missing both of their starting perimeter uh, cornerbacks for a, a pass defense that isn't all that good anyway. Uh, that's a, a pretty big thing there. So I am, I'm with you there. And one thing that is just kind of shocking 
is that this this Falcons team, I mean, as as laughable as it, their <laughs> their offense might seem to be, because uh, they're not passing the ball nearly as much as you think they should. You know, they are top 10 in a lot of running yeah. and passing efficiency metrics. Like when they decide to pass the ball, they're doing it decently well, um, you know, because Mariota uh, has been completing passes uh, and they are throwing it deep. So, you know, that helps to to make up for the fact that they're not doing it as often as most teams. So I think the Falcons, I'm with you. I think the Falcons can, on their end, uh, put up enough points. And then you have the Chargers coming out of a bye. Out, Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen is yeah, not looking Keenan good with, it, with his hamstring issue. So that's not great. But I still think they've got enough weapons to be able to get their side of this because, as you mentioned, that Falcons defense – I don't have a lot of respect for. I mean, they're they're dead last in the league uh, in a lot of defense uh, defensive efficiency metrics. So uh, happy to go against the Falcons in, in that spot too. So uh, I'm with you in looking on the over. Yeah, and it's another one too where you know that that's a detractor. You're you're not going to have your star receivers in, but they played last week versus you know a Carolina team that put out a as much as I said nice things about Walker earlier. Philip Walker is not, you know, it's not Justin <laughs> you know. Herbert. And yeah. yeah, yeah, DJ's more DJ Moore is good. It's good enough. He had a big game. But even like, you know, Chenault caught five balls. Terrace Marshall, eight, four for 87. This guy's yeah. had like 140 yards of yak. Like it is, it's a, you know, it's a pass defense that can be attacked, even if you are missing some of your best weapons. So I, I don't know if it matters who's uh widening, lining up out wide for the chargers in this one. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the, the Falcons defense number 31 in yards per play allowed, like this is a defense that can be exploited. And Herbert uh, is I think good enough, even without his primary receiving weapons to be able to exploit them. One more game here. One more game I want to talk about. And I will say I'm not I'm not sold on it. Uh, I did bet it early uh, on the look ahead at three and a half, but it's Lions versus the Packers. But I will say if I hadn't already bet it, I don't know if this is one I would be betting now. Um, I don't know, Andy. Do you do you have any thoughts on this game? Uh, you know, the Lions as underdogs have historically done well under Dan Campbell, but that feels like more of a last year thing versus this year. And I, you know, I think for me, the matchup would really be the run offense of the lions going against a very exploitable run defense for the Packers. But, you know, Deandre Swift, uh, you know, when I bet this in the look ahead market, he was, you know, full practice, full practice, full practice last week. And that had me feeling really good. And then he plays just a little bit, in last week's game was barely used, you know, was fortunate to, to get a touchdown. Um, but, you know, they come out of that game with head coach Dan Campbell saying, Hey, I think, uh, you know, Deandre Swift is still not fully healthy. And then we see that uh, the practice reports for him aren't good this week. So there's a chance he doesn't play. And if he plays, he could be highly limited. And that makes me, especially now that they've traded away TJ Hawkinson, uh, that makes me a little more hesitant on this Lions plus three and a half going against the Packers. Do you have an opinion on this game? If the Lions defense is really, really, really bad. Yeah. And 
it should be a buy low spot on the Packers. Like, uh, you know, I, somebody made a case for that earlier in the week. I listened because I'd listen to everybody if they if I value their opinion. I understand the Packers may not get much lower in the market, but I mean, it's you know, you can buy low on a stock. It's you still got to believe that it'll go up later. Like the fact yeah. that they're at the bottom of maybe this is where they should be in the market. Not this is like a buy low spot. No, it's low for a reason because this offense is stunk. Like it was really, really eye opening to see this. And I've brought this. I brought this drive up like seven times this week, I think. But when they were down by like three scores and they opened a drive with six straight runs, it's like, if we get, like it's the third, I, I went and checked. I'm like, am I, am I drunk? Is it the fourth quarter? Like, no, it's the third. What are we doing? There's a lot of time left. Are we just, have we just given up? Or have they just said, we can't pass. We can't pass. They're going to give us the run. We're going to have to take the run. So if this Packers team gets behind, I might just start live betting whatever the spread is again. Like they are not set up to come from behind right now. And this defense is taking a big step back from what, you know, maybe their median expectation. They had probably a wide distribution of where this offense or defense was going to end up. But I think a lot of people had it as a, an above average defense. And that is, no. that's not what we've gotten from this team. Uh, that said, and the reason that I did stay away from this game is the lions have been a different team when they've had these injuries on the offense like the offense was fun we saw some really fun shootouts with this team early in the year and they even you know a couple weeks ago we had it but they they have to be healthy to be squarely on offense so i'm i've seen this total drop but i'm kind of getting it like you know why would a why would a total drop if both defenses are bad because both offenses might just stink too maybe this isn't a total that should have been in the 50s maybe this this is a total that should have been at like 48 49 so i uh yeah i would lean towards i'd lean towards the damn underdog here it would just, yeah. you know, if, if you made me bet this, I would take the point because I don't, I don't trust the Packers to win a game by margin. I don't trust the Packers to win a game right now. And I, I'm not sure I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure even a bad offense who just traded away one of their weapons won't move the ball on this defense. Yeah. And as long as Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy, um, I, I feel like that Lions offense still has enough juice to be able to put up points. You know, especially if their offensive line is also healthy. So I, you know, no Hawkinson, uh, you know, Swift questionable. I still feel with Amon Ross St. Brown, they've got enough there. Yeah, it's it's wild. Like in this, he's the best receiver in the game out of on both sides. Like no yeah. nobody on the yeah. back, nobody on the Packers side I would take over him right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It gets, it gets a little, it gets a little thin after that, but uh, yeah, he's gonna get his. I'm, I'm not sure what to think of these backup tight ends, and I'm, I'm, I don't know much about James Mitchell, um, Virginia Tech kid. I looked up these tight ends earlier today because I'm like, yeah, what are they, what are they doing at tight end now? Because he was kind of the man that was the man. That was a nice pickup for Minnesota to further help that offense. They needed it with the Irv Smith injury being worse. The Irv Smith injury was the opposite of the DK Metcalf injury. It's like, oh, it's an ankle, a couple weeks. Now it's like, oh, he's he's surgery done for the year or whatever. And the DK Metcalf was apparently it was just a bruise or something. I have no idea how he was just catching a touchdown the next day. Yeah, absolutely amazing. All right, uh, Andy, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let the people know all about the stuff that you have going on at Betsperts. Yeah, the, the deep dive rolls on every Wednesday night, 8 Eastern. Drew and I. 
going through the whole slate. It was nice that we've had some of these weeks now with buys that we can get these podcasts to a reasonable length. I love bye weeks, uh, especially this one. They have even extra games. And then Sunday night, we do our openers podcast where we bet some of the early numbers. Um, what is that? 720 Eastern? Uh, both on the, the Betsports Media YouTube channel. We go live every halftime. We're going to do that again tonight, even if this game is uh, bad, because we've been dealing with it all year. All the primetime games have been bad. We yeah. don't care. We're going to go live at halftime as well. And then every day at 1130 Eastern, I'm on brown bag bets, just betting on stuff all day, because that's what I do. Getting my teeth kicked in today in Europa, but uh, sometimes those are the breaks. And uh, yeah, I do uh, as well as golf content with Bet uh, Betsports Golf. A little lighter right now because it is the swing season, they call it. These aren't the best tournaments. It's certainly not yeah. the Masters. They're in Mexico right now. Uh, but I still bet golf every week. So Tuesdays, myself and Ryan Noonan do a betting golf show at uh, 11 a.m. every single week. Same YouTube channel. All right, Andy, awesome stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us. That was Andy Molitor. Uh, I'm Matthew Freeman on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. Check out Betting Pros and Fantasy Pros for all of my work, my best bets, player props, fantasy favorites, player projections, and rankings. And we got a lot of great stuff there for you. That's going to do it for this week nine best bets edition uh, of the Betting Pros podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Freeman. Everyone have a great day. <laughs>